Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. While nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. So why watch that movie talk? We have a movie talk that's jam-packed as three movies. And we're starting with, you can guess who's reviewing first, because I'm talking. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting with Triple Frontier, which is now on Netflix. I watched a bit of this, but I'm not going to review it. Um, (laughs) So this is all about the ref here. Now, this is directed by J.C. Chandor. It is written by him and Mark Bowl who worked a lot with Catherine Bigelow is one of the executive producers here. On he all wrote, of her projects. Yeah, <laughs> Zero Dark Thirty and so on and so forth. It stars, wait for it, Ben Affleck. Whoa. On Netflix. Oscar Isaac with him. Whoa. Charlie Hunnam. Oh. With, with an interesting accent. Yeah. Garrett Hedlund and Pedro Pascal. Mm. Okay. So tell us all about this ref. Is this worth, hey, just turning it on your TV? (laughs) Well, we're going to get to that. Listen, the real question is, what happens when men who've devoted their entire careers to saving people's lives and serving this nation get a little fed up? Mm. That's the question. Now, we dive into a man whose name is Pope, uh, Santiago Pope Garcia. He is on location in Brazil, and he is a special operative. He completely is running this undercover, underground uh, special force to take down this massive drug dealer who has been giving him problems and troubles. They, we call him Lorea. Now, Lorea is not only uh, scooping in some of the territory, Pope's territory, but he's also uh, scooping in on Pope's uh, snitch, shall we say. Yeah. It's, and I won't tell you how that's involved. We know that uh, Pope has infiltrated Lorea's uh, regime with someone and two people, and one of those people are in serious danger. So he really has to move and act fast. So how he does it is he goes to some of his former teammates or special forces operatives who were together serving many, many uh, tours together. He goes to them and says, hey guys, I have an opportunity for you. We can take down this big drug dealer who's been wreaking havoc, not only all over Brazil, but all over the continent. But we can also benefit from this. What? Mm. What? Yes. Mm. We could benefit from this. Meaning, aren't you guys tired of serving your country? Serving every mission with excellence and getting awarded only in word and not in deed? 
<laughs> and the deed, I mean, are like bills, dollars, cents. We could go in and stop Lorea, save Brazil from this terrorist kind of guy, and also benefit financially, extremely benefit financially. Who does he go to? He goes first to Charlie Hoonan, played by, uh, sorry, Charlie Hoonan, who plays William Miller or Ironhead. And Ironhead is a guy who sort of uh, talks to the armed forces about being good armed forces people. Stay inside of the organization. Don't go into the private sector because you need to serve your country. Well, he definitely is a hypocrite in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> then he goes to one of the leaders of their special uh, forces uh, uh, troop that really is top notch here, played by Ben Affleck. It's Tom uh, Red Eye Davis. And if they get Tom, then they get everybody else. That includes, of course, Garrett Miller, Miller's character, Ben Miller, and uh, Pedro Pascal's character, Catfish, uh, as well as um, just, yeah, that, that, that rounds out the bunch. Now, you know by the poster, everybody gets involved to take down Lorea. The question is, can they do it as peacefully as possible? Because remember, the objective is to take down Lorea and Lorea alone. Remember, these are still serving, some of them are still serving in the armed forces. So, can they re they know what they're doing is against the law? Why? <laughs> well, mm, you're going to find out very quickly the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. And the real question at the very end is what will it literally cost them and figuratively cost them? It may cost them their lives. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. So that's it in a nutshell. Now, as we were talking, uh, Critic, this is a project that fell into the hands of Catherine Bigelow. We know that she, this is her world. She deals with um, some sort of special force, some operatives, some sort of uh, military-based uh, exchanges for the most part. She also loves to shoot on location. We know that. Um, but it didn't wind up in her hands because it switched a lot of uh, production dates also switched a lot of the cast. I mean, at one point, Tom Hanks was involved. At one point, Mahershala Ali. At one point, uh, Casey Affleck. I mean, and a number of, of people who were involved in this. Uh, you have to kind of get a sense of so many people, so many hands, so many attachments were involved that it may get lost in its translation. And that's kind of what happened here with Triple Frontier. Mm -hmm. It does belong on Netflix. It is a movie that you don't have to, in, you don't have to invest your, already, your money because you already have a subscription. Um, the question is how much invested and in, in, uh, how much investment are you going to make in this? Well, you're going to invest trying to figure this plot out. It's not complicated, but it needs to get to it. Uh, yeah. A lot of talking, a lot of exchanging, a lot of, a lot of, we're getting, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to, this is what's going to happen. We don't need to gonna, we need to get right to it. These are special forces operatives. These are the creme de la creme, the top people at their, um, at their game. So let's see the game. 
go. And once it starts going, then we get lost in a lot of like, oh, we get lost in the woods. We get, we're getting shot down, we're getting shot at, but then there's no repercussion, repercussions of that. We, there's some big plot holes. Now, at the end of the day, do you watch this or not? With all of the things that are going wrong, I say it's good enough if you got nothing else to do. <laughs> and that's okay, but that's okay because sometimes yeah. that happens. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're like, you know what, I don't have anything planned. Um, I just kind of want to sit back and not use my brain a lot. And, and that's okay. I think that's not a knock. It's just saying it's on its right platform. It is a good Friday. No, I would say even a Saturday night. Let's go with Saturday night that your, your plans were canceled. Mm-hmm. You just watch it. You know, people, the actors, they do check in. They're not on the, what I consider to be their A game because I know all of their, you know, I know all of the major actors. I've seen something that they've been in and they've done better, but it's a Saturday night. Back up. We'll yeah. Back up to Narcos, back up to Sicario. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh. If, if you like Sicario and Narcos, I would suggest because those are strong. Those are strong projects. I would suggest you watch those again. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it. but if you're just like, you know, I don't really know what those is, or I maybe watched a couple episodes of Narcos. I, 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 it wasn't for me. This may be an alternative for that. Mm-hmm. So there you go with it. Now you got, that was the first look. You got a chance to see a sneak peek of the new movie, <laughs> Out of Blue, that is directed by uh, Carol uh, Morley. And it's written by Martin Amos, and Carol also wrote it as well. Well, it's actually based on uh, Martin's novel, and Carol wrote the screenplay. Uh, the cast looks amazing. We'll have to see if it pans out. You've got Mimi <laughs> She's showing up everywhere. Patricia Clarkson, who's been showing up places. James. No. James is still alive, and he's still working, folks. And we love him for that. Jackie Weaver, Toby Jones. On and on with folks, you got a chance to see a sneak peek. What are we dealing with here? Uh, well, <laughs> look, like you were saying, it's inspired by Martin Amos's novel Night Train, and Out of Blue focuses on New Orleans police detective Mike Houlihan, played by Patricia Clarkson. Wait, what was her name again? Mike Houlihan. Oh, okay. All right. mm-hmm. Now, Detective Houlihan ain't your garden variety detective, okay? She has quite the past, which she has yet to come to terms with. Uh, In other words, she's a woman in hiding from herself. And so with all kinds of baggage following her around, Mike begins an investigation into the murder of renowned astrophysicist and black hole expert, Jennifer Rockwell, who's played by Mamie Gummer. Okay, Rockwell was found shot dead in her observatory. Now, all of this seems fairly straightforward because right from the beginning, two suspects played by Toby Jones and Jonathan Majors emerge as the potential culprits. However, as Mike's investigation progresses, she finds that the circumstances surrounding this case become less and less clear and the resulting twists and turns unexpectedly touch on quantum mechanics, 
parallel universes and exploding stars, all of which are somehow central to cracking the case, and all of which cause Mike to question her fundamental understanding of reality. And as a result, as audience members, we're not quite sure of the truth of what we're seeing either, which leads us to these two questions. Since Out of the Blue, or Out of Blue, sorry, takes us into Mike's psyche, can we place place any trust in what we're seeing? And is it possible to find truth in the midst of a fractured mental state? Now look, all of this sounds rather mysterious. However, while I was watching this film, I didn't really feel it. Instead, things just seemed disconnected. The dialogue didn't quite progress in the way that I wanted to follow. And the cuts from shot to shot and scene to scene were a bit abrupt for the most part. In particular, while the use of numerous close-ups did create an atmosphere of isolation, there were times when I wanted to see more of the full picture. And while all of the disconnectedness makes sense for a film that essentially tracks the slow unraveling of Mike's mental state, it just wasn't executed well enough to work. Instead of drawing me in, it merely stopped me from caring about what was happening. And I didn't really know what mattered. In addition, some, though not all of the music, sounded like something from The Celestine Prophecy, uh, The Secret, or The X-Files. Okay, it was cliche. Now, the one thing that kept things afloat was the acting. Of course. Yeah. Look, with Patricia Clarkson as the lead, this cast managed to do a pretty good job with what they were given. Patricia Clarkson brings her trademark ease and cool to Mike. You can see that she's broken, and yet you can also tell that she's so used to hiding it that it doesn't even register for her anymore. I mean, just look at her posture and her wig. Look at that. (laughs) Okay. And then you also have the always masterful Jackie Weaver, And again, James Caan as Jennifer's parents. You have the ever so Weasley Toby Jones. You got Mamie Gummer, who seems truly invested in all of the scientific gobbledygook that she's saying. And Ancy Jonathan Majors is here, whose acting career is in the midst of taking off right now as we speak. And you got others who play the supporting roles. However, I just wish that writer-director Carol Morley would have had a much stronger through line in her narrative and that she would have made the film's aesthetic a little more noirish, right? Just a little more like noir. Instead of clarity in certain moments, a fuzzier look would have set the mood a little more. I mean, you're in New Orleans, after all. Yeah. Or she could have gone further in her use of darker hues, a la what David Fincher does. Uh, Think seven to understand what I mean. Yeah. And while there are glimpses of that, this is a film in desperate need of lots of rain. That would have helped. Overall, though, thanks to the cast, Out of Blue isn't flat-out terrible. And I imagine that people who have an indie sensibility and enjoy watching Law & Order marathons every weekend wouldn't mind checking it out from the comfort of their homes. Just know that before you get to the unsurprising revelation at the end, this film has already jumped the shark. have an announcement we're on a new platform (laughs) listen we are expanding listeners and we'd like to give you an opportunity to come on this one 
That's, yeah, that's right. Because beginning on April 6th, oh. 2019, we will be on television radio every Saturday at 11 a.m. How do you spell that? That's T-E-L-L-Y-V-I-Z-I-O-N. Nice. And you can go to television.com. You can also go where, ref? To our website, whywatchthat.com. Hey, and you'll see the link to the radio show there. Don't miss it. Don't do it. Well, you got a chance to see another sneak peek of Hotel Mumbai. Yes, that's coming at you very, very quickly. It is directed by Anthony Morris and John Colley and Anthony wrote it. Hmm. It stars Dev Patel, which we all know, and Army Hammer is in this, among other people that the critic may mention. Now, are we going to see this in the movie theater? <laughs> well, that's the question, right? It's out March 22nd. So is out of blue. Well, which one? Or maybe it's neither. Oh, wait <laughs> a minute. Now, look, it's November 26th, 2008, in Mumbai, India. A young man named Arjun, played by Dev Patel, prepares to go to work. But where's his sister in law who's supposed to watch his baby daughter? He's late because he's waiting for her. So he rushes out with his daughter, not knowing that he's left something important behind. Regardless, he reaches his pregnant wife's place of work, leaves their daughter with her, and makes his way to the prestigious Taj Mahal Palace Hotel in the hopes that he won't be too late. But what he doesn't know is that there's a group of terrorists from Pakistan who've just reached Mumbai's shore and they're about to wreak havoc throughout the city. But before they do and as they do, we're introduced to other characters. There's head chef Oberoi, played by New Amsterdam's Anupam Kerr, who runs a tight ship at the hotel and who disapproves of Arjun as he arrives late. There's the rest of the hotel staff as well who take their jobs very seriously. It's a calling to do what they do in the way that they do it. There's a couple played by Army Hammer and counterparts Nazanin Boniati, who's traveling with their baby son and nanny. There's also a Russian man played by Jason Isaacs, who's certainly no one to be trifled with. And outside of the hotel, there's a young Australian couple who seem to be backpacking their way through India. All of them and more must contend with the extended and multi-pronged terrorist attack to come, and they must use their wits and grit to survive as they wait for the police and other forces to bring an end to the insanity. And so, Hotel Mumbai joins a growing list of films that depict the true events of tragic terrorist attacks. And as I was watching it, uh, I thought of United 93, Patriot's Day, uh, the opening of 22 July, along with other films. I also asked myself this, Ref, what makes this kind of film worth watching? And I think outside of memorializing the bravery of the people who did what they could to survive, these films allow people who weren't there 
to put themselves in the situation and consider what they'd do if something terrible like that ever happened to them. But since this kind of film is a tough watch, the ultimate question is this, is it worth it? And on balance, I think that Hotel Mumbai is. While it doesn't really bring anything new to this genre, it does have a capable and committed cast, along with pretty good execution behind the camera. Also, it touches on what it means to be in service to privileged people when everyone's life is on the line. Should you stay and help them or go? And if you stay, why? I do have to say, though, that the editing could have been sharper, there were moments that could have been shortened, and there were moments when the looming threat receding a, receded a little too much for my taste. Now look, when you're depicting a terrorist attack, it's wise to give your audience a breather every now and then, but the pressure should always be there. Now, this isn't to say that Hotel Mumbai does a bad job of that. It actually does a pretty good job. It's just that it's been done better in the films I mentioned earlier. So, whether you should see this movie depends on whether you can withstand the onslaught that it brings and whether you think that it's worth it. Just know that if you decide to watch it, you will be invested. And that's not only for obvious reasons, but also because you get to know these characters just well enough to root for them as individuals. And so I'll end with this. Hotel Mumbai is a good movie about yet another unfortunate chapter in recent world history. And if you think that watching this kind of movie in a theater seems like a lot, just know that watching it at home should work too. Yeah, and with everything that's going on right now, yeah. news, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how people respond to this in the theaters or if it's something better to sort of let breathe um, with the uh, recent uh, terrorist attack. So mm -hmm. there you have it. One first look, two sneak peeks, lots of indie options, if you dare to try. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.